like to welcome those of you all who are viewing with us online as well. I'm excited that you're here and we know that God is going to uh, bless your time with us. And so we're looking forward to seeing what the Holy Spirit is going to do. Amen. I remember years ago um, hearing Jesse Buchanan is one of the first times I had heard him minister as a young teenage boy when I was up in Detroit, Michigan. Made a joke as he always does and talked about somehow you get up to minister and people think you always know everything you're going to say and you have a plan, you have a note and all that stuff. Uh, but he said, uh, Yeah, I showed up and they were saying, well, what, What's going to happen today? He said, I don't know. I showed up myself to figure out, find out what was going to happen. So I kind of feel like that today is uh, that type of day where you got your notes, but uh, we're going to see what the Holy Spirit does. Amen. Uh, we've been talking about uh, what's love got to do <laughs> with it as it relates to our relationships uh, and we concluded last night that love uh, is extremely important uh, and as a matter of fact love has everything to do with it uh, now who can take a wild guess as to why love has everything to do with the success of your relationships just yell it out because God, God is love in this whole series we've been calling it marriage made by one and it's it's kind of got a dual meaning. It's marriage made by one, capital O. It's by the one. Your, your marriage, your relationships uh, on earth should be made and governed by God Almighty. Amen? Uh, and, and then also marriage made by one, meaning marriage made by being one with him. Um, you, you've probably uh, experienced this before, and I know I've seen it quite a bit as a pastor and even experienced it as a married person uh, of uh, 22 years myself. Uh, most of us go into a relationship, especially a marital one, thinking we're whole, thinking we're good to go, but we're not even at one with ourselves. We barely know who we are, amen? Yes. And we barely know who we are with God. And so we come in not knowing ourselves, not knowing ourselves in him too well, and then joining ourselves with another individual who most likely has that same pattern in their lives, and you got marriage made by half. It's half, everybody's at half of this and half of that. And so we find ourselves in marriage, and, and, and I say marriage, but it's really for any relationship. We find ourselves placing demands on others that really were, were, were things that only God can fulfill. We find ourselves expecting our husbands uh, to be everything and our wives to be everything and to give us 100% all of them, and we don't have 100% all of God first. So no matter what that person does, it'll never be enough. Can I get an amen? <laughs> and, 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 and so then you go through marriage feeling very unhappy, feeling very unfulfilled, uh, and, and, and a lot of us fake it, and you know we, we try to figure out ways to just say, well, you know what, it's okay, it's just going to be that way. But you just have this emptiness, and you think it's because that person is not doing what they're supposed to do, but in reality, it's a lack of being one with God. Yeah. And I find that the more I get to know him, the more I'm fulfilled in my marriage. The more my wife, uh, Melissa, gets to know him, the more she's fulfilled in marriage. And then as we get to know him and become one with him, then when we come together, we're now just expressing the love of God that we've experienced and are operating in the overflow of, and we're sharing that with one another. But guess what? If she's having a bad day or a bad week and I don't get that radiating love from her, I don't feel without. Why? Because I'm getting it all from the Father anyway. I'll say it this way. The love that you receive from your spouse should actually be an overflow. It should just be extra. If, if all you're getting from, if the love that you're getting from your spouse is all the love you're getting, then that's not going to be enough. And I know that's a pretty bold statement to make. And, you know, somebody say, well, you know, what's, what's the deal? Then I thought that that's what they were supposed to do. Well, I mean, it's great that they do it, but how many guys know they don't always do it? <laughs> We got to start being honest, especially in the body of Christ, about what happens when it doesn't happen. Yeah. Am I supposed to just be sad and depressed and, 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 and then try to make them do it? No. God the Father lives on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you. And we said this last night. Because he is love, we have everything we already need on the inside of us. So whatever my spouse, uh, whatever my children, whatever my employer, whatever my coworkers, whatever my family uh, gives to me should be extra and overflow. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
because I got everything I needed from God when I got on my knees this morning or last night or when I was driving in my car and having a time of worship with him. I got filled up and I got everything I need. But oftentimes what it is is we haven't matured to that point that we're spending that type of time with him and giving him that type of space. So we start looking for it in other places. But I'm here to tell you that today is a new day. And as we become one with him, we will be fulfilled and then understand what our true purpose is in life. Amen? So, amen, exactly. And we indeed overflow. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, go with me to 1 Corinthians. We're going to look at uh, chapter 16 and verse 14. And this is such a simple scripture, but uh, I think it's powerful. And it's the text that we're, we're using for this. And we're going to read it in a couple of different versions and they all kind of mean the same thing, but I'll start with the King James Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. It says, let all your things be done with what? Charity. With charity. Now, what does that word charity mean? Love. Yeah, love. Uh, let's look at this in the NIV version. It says, do everything in love. Do everything in love. How? In love. So let's just break this down. What am I supposed to do in love? Everything. The dishes. The dishes. What else? Everything. Communicate. Communicate. What else? Go to work. Go to work. What else? Driving down the highway. Driving down the highway. Can't flip people off and cuss people out. Or actually, at least I shouldn't be uh, because that's a selfish act. That's not in love. What else? Communicate. Communicate. Fellowship. Eat? Mmm. Uh-oh, she, she got real personal and hit you know, on with that. How can, how can I? Let, let's, let's explore that for a quick second. How can I not eat in love? Eating what's bad for me. Huh? Gluttony. Eating Gluttony. Bad for me. Eating what's bad for me. Why? Who am I not loving when I eat that way? Myself. Myself. All of a sudden, this scripture is, it becomes powerful because it applies to every area of your life. If I'm walking in love with myself, which we, we, we're going to get into in a moment about the royal law of love, loving God with all my heart, uh, my soul and strength, and loving my neighbor as I love myself, if I am actually doing that, you, you see all of a sudden, I am creating this life of peace, not only internally, but also externally. Doing everything in love blesses me both in my soul as well as in my body. And, and he said, and that's why he said, do everything in love. So that's why when you say, well, what's love got to do with it? It has everything to do with it. It has everything to do with it because if I'm eating right, if I'm talking right, if I'm living right, if I'm driving right, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm doing all these things right or by love, that's, that's the right way is by love, then the, the, the fruit of my labor, my love labor, will be a harvest of life for me. God is trying to get life to us in this commandment of do everything in love. Because if you do everything in fear or you do everything in selfishness or whatever like that, the result is not going to be life. The result is not going to be light. It will be death and darkness. And you have many Christians, many believers who have the love of God and God himself on the inside of them that are experiencing death and darkness, not because God doesn't love them. It is because they've made the choice to not do what he said. See, we've gotten this thing backwards. We've thought that, oh, I, I need to do his commandments and do what he, he says so I can go to heaven. Well, your salvation has been taken care of. When he, what he's saying is now that you're on earth, I need to give you some instructions so you can experience light in life. Do everything in love. Love yourself. Love your neighbor. Why? Because it's going to be good for you. <laughs> now, now, yes, they're going to get to know him through us, but also for us, it is physically and mentally good for us to do everything in love. Now, that's a tall order, though, isn't it, to do everything in love? Somebody cuts you off on the freeway, do everything in love. Somebody cusses you out at work, do everything in love. Somebody steals from you, respond in love. So there's this underlying point that if I'm going to be able to do everything in love, I need to trust the one who loves me and who's telling me to do this. Because if you're telling me, Lord, to do everything in love, there's a promise behind that that says everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. Why? Because you're obeying me and doing what I said to do, and I'm never going to tell you to do anything that's going to hurt, harm, or take away from you. God's promises always are good and always are right for our lives. Amen? Amen. Let me show you that real quick. Go with me to uh, James. Chapter 1. 
chapter 1. James 1 and verse 17. James 1, 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. The Amplified says, Every good gift and every perfect, and then it says, Free, large, full gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light. In the shining of whom there can be no variation, no rising or setting, or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. Everything that God gives you, everything that he instructs you, it's going to be good. It's going to be perfect. So if he's instructing us in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, uh, 14 uh, to do everything in love, how many of you guys know that's a good commandment? Not only a good commandment, it's a perfect commandment. And if we abide by it and live by it, we'll have good in our lives. Amen? Amen. Now, well, let, me, let me say that a little differently. If we abide by it and we live by it, the result will be good will be manifested in our lives. Because the good, because of grace, is already available. It's available to us all. But it's like I said on a Sunday one time. It's like I'm here. God's manifestation of grace is over here. It's been manifested. It's done. But if I am not where it is, I won't experience it. So many people say, Archie, I hear what you're saying, but, but I mean, how do I get that grace made in my life? It's already made. When, once Jesus died on that cross, all good for you was created and was made. Now it takes obeying the voice and the will of God for your life for you to, for lack of a better word, run into the manifestation he set up for you. The way I see it is it's like this pathway that God has for me, and as long as I stay on that path, obeying what he says, doing what he says I need to do, I'll bump into every blessing and everything he's already set up for me. But the moment I choose to say, I don't want to do this no more. I think I want to do my own thing. And I hop off that path. Well, I'm on a path. His grace has made everything I need available. I'm just not running into none of it because it's over there and I'm over here. God is not going to take his stuff that he provided for me and put it where I want to be at. No, he gives me freedom to go where I want to go. But he also warns me and says, if you go over there, my provision's not there. Darkness, death, sickness, all those things are over there. And if you choose to go that way, I love you so much, I'll never take your free will. But I'm giving you a choice, and I'm going to even give you a hint, as it says in Deuteronomy, choose life. Choose life, choose light, choose love, because that's where the blessing indeed will be. If you understand that, say amen. 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 Okay, cool. I'm trying to recap but sometimes a recap is good and you stay there too long amen uh so do we need to do everything in love now here's the thing like i was just saying we can only do what we know we can only do what we know have you ever seen a situation where you have um i'll, I'll just pick on the guys where you have a man who may be in a marriage or in a relationship and he's just having a hard time communicating a hard time saying how he feels and, and, and being you know open in that way, that's, that's kind of a common issue. And often we found that that is the case because that man has never seen that model. He didn't have a dad maybe at all who was at home, or if he did have a dad who was at home, that dad just kind of stayed closed up, shut up, just went downstairs, watched TV after he came home from work, went to sleep, maybe on occasion played with the kids, and that was it. We, we, we become what it is that we see. And then that's all we know. And sometimes people don't know how to love because they don't know love. Now, according to 1 John 4, 8, God is love. So if I want to know love, I need to know God. But And that sounds so simple, but do you understand that in church often that's not necessarily taught? We talk about God and we talk about getting closer to God and I want to be more like you, Lord, and everything like that. But we never slow down and say, here's how you get to know God. Get into his word. Fellowship with him. Praise and worship are other ways to also get to know him. Uh, and, we, and we talk about these, these are, for lack of a better word, methods to get to know who he is and what he's done for you. But how many, back to the men, how many men are being pulled to the side and sat down and taught, here's how you have a relationship with God the Father. Here's how you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. 
Here's what Jesus has done for you. I promise you, if you want to see our country change, if you want to see the families resurrected in, in America, that is the way. You get these men together and begin to teach them how to, how to have the relationship, a relationship with the Father, how to have a relationship with love, and then love begins to spread into that home through that man of God. And you say, why just the man of God? The women, I'm going to be honest, most women already got that on lock. I, I, I talked about it on Mother's Day. Women have this unique ability uh, to just have compassion and to almost naturally reflect the love of God. But for men, not so much. Don't know why. Uh, I'll, I'll let you know when I figure it out. <laughs> but just not so much. But, but imagine if you had that woman of God, you know, spending that time with God and knowing him. And then that man of God spending that time uh, with him and knowing him. And then that becoming the core of that household. Man, this whole country, this whole world will be changed. What's love got to do with it? Everything. Let me show you in the word what I'm talking about with the, with the man and the woman in this case. Uh, scripture concerning that. Go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. And this is um, a scripture many of us are familiar with. <clears throat> Ephesians 6 verse 1. And then we're also going to read verse 2. And we're just going to read it straight out of the Amplified because that's where, where the uh, translation is I want you to see. It says, children... Obey your parents. Now, who are the parents? Mom and dad. Amen? Male and female, mom and dad. Husband and wife. Children, obey your parents. Now, this is interesting. In the Lord. Now, my parents used this a bunch of times right before they whooped me, right before I got grounded to express to me how I did wrong. And, you know, and it was correct in that, in that sense, but it also is so much more in this scripture as I became a parent. I had to learn, you know, because there was no really manual other than the Bible on, well, how do you do this? And the and Holy Spirit kept taking me to this scripture. And he said, I want you to focus and amplify on that in the Lord. And I said, okay, what does that mean? He said, it's right there in brackets. As whose representatives? Yes. As his representatives. The Lord representatives. God's representative. And then he took me back to 1 John 4. 8. He said, now who am I? I said, you're love. He said, you as a parent are the first representation of love that your children will know. And not just any love, my love, agape love, unconditional love. And all of a sudden, I said, whoa. So this isn't about just children being obedient. This is about parents knowing who they are. Yeah. And the only way to represent love is to know love. The only way to represent God is to know God. Think about it. If I am an ambassador to the president of the United States, how many of you guys know I need to know the president? If I'm representing him to another country, if I'm the ambassador, let's say, to Egypt or something like that on behalf of America, I need to know the president. I need to know our standards. I need to know our policies. I need to know our, our beliefs and how we need to operate in this country. I need to know our ways. And so it is as a parent. We're not supposed to just have kids and just figure it out on our own and instruct them on our ways. No, we're, we're representing God who is love. So all of a sudden, you see a demand placed on us to get to know God individually and collectively. Man, I don't know how to get to know. Get to know love. I don't know what love is. 1 Corinthians 13. It's a half a chapter on what love is. Patient. What else? Kind. <laughs> What else? Long suffering. What else? Gentle. What else? Yeah, meekness is a fruit of uh, that comes out of love. Absolutely. Believing the best. Hoping the best. What'd you say? Enduring all the knucklehead things your kids do. Why? Because God doesn't fail, love doesn't fail. And a parent who is in him as his representative will not fail. Any parent who is fearful of failing in the, in the ability of raising that child needs to back up and put their confidence in what God has said. You're my representative. You're representing love, and you will not fail. The same for a husband and wife. You're my representative. You're my, God told me this the other day, that Melissa and I are his expression of love to one another. He said, I put you on this earth to radiate my love to her, to radiate my love to those kids. To radiate my love to those that you're pastoring and those who you come into contact with. You're here to express my love to people. Every relationship. Every relationship. 
Now, granted, each relationship has its different caveats. Obviously, I'm gonna that that expression of love comes out to Melissa a little differently than it obviously would the kid, or obviously a little different than it would a, a, a church member. But all of a sudden, I realized, like, oh my goodness, to not walk in love with my wife is to withhold God's love from her. Who am I to withhold His love from her? Who am I to withhold His unconditional love from her? And all of a sudden, it it made me humble myself even more. It made me look at that scripture in Peter that says, cast, cast all my cares on him because he cares for me even more. Because how many of you guys know if somebody does you wrong, the last thing you want to do is love them. But I, I got this dilemma now. Lord, I want to honor you. Lord, I want to express your love. But my feelings are hurt. What do I do? Cast your cares on him because he cares for you. She hurt your feelings, give that to me. Now you keep loving. Why, Lord? Because that's what I told you to do. 1 Corinthians 16, 14, do everything in love. Why? Because it's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for her. You may not see it right now. It may feel dark. It may feel like you're losing. But when you love, you're winning. Now, you may not be used to it, so that's why it feels a little funny. That's why it feels like you're leaping off a cliff <laughs> when you just open yourself up and become that vulnerable and say, Lord, I'm just going to do this even though I know they've done me wrong. But he's saying, you're representing me. You're representing me. I don't see what you're saying, Archie. You're doing what Jesus did on the cross. You're literally saying, I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm still going to give you everything I got. And I get to do it without bleeding, I get to do it without dying. I'm doing nothing but dying to myself. And I am going to sit here and do what the Holy Spirit tells me to do so that it benefits you. But actually, what it's also doing is going to benefit me. That's what practically walking in love looks like. The world calls it being a doormat, but I don't quite see it that way. Because a doormat is dead. You're alive. And you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And he will tell you what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And, and it won't hurt you in the sense of uh, take away from you. So don't, you know, somebody can hear this and say, well, do I just put up with anything and everything? No, you, you do what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do. Because somebody could take this and twist it and then start saying, well, if he goes up, if my husband goes upside my head tomorrow, then I'm supposed to walk in love and deal with it. That's not what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit, loving him may be the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for you to go to a hotel. It's time for you to go visit your sister or somebody. That may be part of it because God knows how he's dealing with him. It's time for you to call the police. He needs some help. That might be part of God's love prescription. And I see it that way. He has a prescription of love for everybody. And he's constantly working trying to literally save everybody. He's constantly working, trying to get everyone to know him, and he will use us so that they can know him. But we don't dare try to become the prescriber of how that person needs to receive love because then we start becoming God, and we don't do so good at that. <laughs> but he's just saying, will you use yourself to me, and will you be my representative? Children are supposed to be obeying love. That was a gut check for me because I said, if I am not displaying the agape love of God, why does my kid have to obey me? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Go down there and get me uh, some liquor and da-da-da-da-da and this, that, and the other, and just tell them you're 18. In the Lord. Don't be mad if your kid tell you no, they're not lying to the bill collector. <laughs> in the Lord as I represent the Lord my child is supposed to obey so the charge is not just on the kid it's on the parent to represent the Lord if you understand that say amen, amen. I'm going to go to verse 2 real quick honor esteem and value as precious your father and mother well sure because they represent the Lord this is the first commandment with promise. 
But see, what we've done, <laughs> what we've done over the years is we've taken this and said, forget how I act. Yeah. Forget who I'm representing to you. Forget that I just cussed you out two seconds ago. You're supposed to honor me because I birthed you. That ain't what that says. It says we're supposed to represent love. And then, and therefore, we're giving people something to honor, something to value as precious, something to, to obey. God tells us to love, I mean, to obey him. Why? Because he is love. And we're supposed to be reflections of that love to our children. And as a result, they get to learn how to love him by loving us. I'm going to say that again. Many, many young people struggle to love God because they have yet to have parents who have represented love to them. So they don't know how to, they don't know how to honor love. They don't know how to, why? Because their first representatives are not living that life. And that's the game that the devil is playing. He's trying to attack our identity, break our relationship with love, so that we don't know how to be loved. And then the kid grows up never knowing true love. And then when they get married, the cycle just continues. That's why I made that statement, man, if that man of God and that woman of God can, can get to know God, then they can know love, they can know love one for another and radiate it, then they can be loved to their children. And then their children grow up learning how to honor God and their parents, develop a relationship with God themselves, and say, this is very familiar. I'm not gonna beat myself up because I made a mistake. I'm not gonna beat myself up because I spilled uh, the proverbial milk, if you will. I know how to deal with that because my parents forgave me when I made mistakes. My parents were gracious to me when I came home a little late. My parents taught me with a loving, gracious heart. So now you're telling me about this God. I know him already because I've seen him in my parents. And then I grow up as a single individual and I want to get married. And now I know how to find love in another person because I've spent the last 25 years or whatever experiencing agape love all my life. So can't no knucklehead guy get over on me. Can't no fast girl get over on me because I know what love looks like and you don't look like love. So the last thing I want to do is take myself enjoying myself unequally. That's what that's really talking about with somebody who's not walking with the father, with somebody who's unable to represent him. And all of a sudden, you just got love with love, sharing love. And imagine how the world could be changed. So what does love have to do with it? Everything, Everything is what I'm starting to find out uh, it has to do with it. So, um, so we can only do what we know. We can only share what we have. We can only do what we know. We can only share what we have. We can only operate in what we understand. You know, the AV team is back there working, uh, those computers and everything like that. If I told everybody in the room, hey, I need y'all to get back there real quick and get us online uh, and get us streaming uh, and set up everything, uh, is there anybody in the room who would struggle with that? Yeah, why? It's not that you're dumb. It's not that you're stupid. You just don't understand how to do it. And when we don't understand how to do something, what do we need to do? It starts with an L. Yeah. Now, learning takes, it starts with a T, ends with an E, time. This whole thing about, and, and we're going to be doing a series uh, soon about, uh, and Dr. Dollar's doing one right now, about performance-based Christianity. There's this thing right now in the body of Christ for a lot of people that they, they think that they're supposed to be perfect right now. And they sit there and lie to themselves and say they actually are. And I'm like, you lying now. <laughs> and we're not promoting being a sinner, but we're saying if you make a mistake and you're in process, God's not striking you down and sending you to hell. Why? Because learning takes time. And Holy Spirit told me uh, months ago when we were doing one of our series, he said, tell them I'm not mad at them because they're in a process. And I said, what do you mean? He said, some of them are learning how to trust me. Some of them are learning how to study this word. Because we're saying get to know him. You get to know him by reading the word. Some people don't know how to read the word of God. So they have to sit down and have somebody teach them and learn, oh, this is how I study the word. And this is how I pray. And this is how I pray. You know, all these things, people have to learn. There are many baby Christians out there. 
And how, how many of you guys know being a baby Christian don't, don't, doesn't go by how long you've been saved? And there's some people who heard the gospel of grace for the first time and said, oh, my goodness. I've been saved for 35 years and didn't, didn't know this. 50 years <laughs> and didn't know this. And that's okay. But does that to me now, Miss Dorothy, is, is this, this hellish person and horrible person because, you know, it, it was 50 years before she heard the gospel of grace? No, that's the whole point. God is gracious. So that 50 years of not knowing that, that's covered. The, the word of faith movement that, that didn't get a hold and is really just now really starting to get a hold of the gospel of grace in that sense and, and finding the balance between faith and grace. Does that mean all those churches and all those mighty men of God are just horrible? No. We've seen mighty moves of God in all, in, in all those men. You needed that step to get to where we're at now. Understanding faith and then understanding, then we started understanding that, wow, while we got all this faith, we sure are some mean Christians. <laughs> We so judgmental. Boy, you ain't you ain't living like us. You ain't repent. Don't, 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 you better not go to sleep without repenting. But there were some of us that would sit back and ask the question and say, what about the person who died and forgot to repent of every single sin? Because that's that's what that's what folks believe. If you don't repent of every single sin, then you're gonna go to hell. So then we started these prayers of Father, I'm sorry for the things that I did that I know and the things that I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to cover everything. And we skipped over all the scriptures that he said, I'll remember your sins no more, but not because of how good you are, but because of how good I am and how complete the blood of Jesus is. Yeah. And all of a sudden, our, our attention can get off of trying to fix me for the sake of not going to hell. And my attention can get on let me get to obeying God's commandment of loving others. And as I focus on them and follow his word and become that light, sin will begin to be no more in my life. The, the number one way to keep sinning is to keep focusing on you and your mistakes. That's the number one way. I used to be a youth pastor. And, and the more we talk about not having sex and not doing this and not doing that. How many of you guys know that's the more it increased in our ministry? There's a reason. Because you create a sin consciousness in people. Well, we're on a mission to create a grace and love consciousness in people. Now, for some people, it's hard for them to let that go. Because we like our achievements. And you can never be a person of love and be focused on your achievements. They contradict one another. Because now I'm going to get people saved because I need those notches in my belt. Not because they're, you know, yeah, I know their souls are important, but, but, but God commands us to go out and win souls. And he that wins souls is wise, and I want to be wise. Well, you're already wise. you got the wise one living on the inside of you. You're as wise as you're going to get. But if the focus stays on you, then your wisdom will be very limited. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So I have to understand how to operate in love in order to be successful in it. Our goal as believers is to know love, to have love, and then to understand love. We need to know love, know God himself, know his word, know the light. Have love, you actually want to get saved <laughs> so he can live on the inside of you and dwell in you. And then also, I, I believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Why? Because now you have love up on you to do the work he calls you to do. Go with me real quick to Acts 1 and 8. Let me show you this. Acts 1 and 8. And we'll look at this uh, also. In, yes, and understand love. Know love, have love, and then understand love. Acts 1 8 in the Amplified, it says, but you shall receive, and what's that word? Power. Power is the ability to get results. As a matter of fact, right there, that first word in the parentheses is ability, efficiency, and might. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. Who is the my talking about? You, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Not in you, but upon you. He's in you when you get saved, but now this is something different. It's, 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 it's literally when Samson was strong. When you read that, the Holy Spirit came on him. 
When Elijah ran, the Holy Spirit came on him. There were physical supernatural feats and abilities that came on people when the Holy Spirit came up on them. You get the job done God needs you to do when the Holy Spirit is not just in you, but up on you. And you shall be my, this is God talking, my witnesses. You shall be love's witnesses. You shall be the light's witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria to the ends of the very bounds of the earth. So it is so important that the Holy Spirit is not only in me but upon me if I'm going to get love's jobs done in earth. I need the Holy Spirit upon me to be married. Yo, you've been trying, you've been trying to love on your own. How's that working out? No, I need supernatural ability to not retaliate. I need supernatural ability to go above and beyond because I don't want to do this. Now, see, again, the super Christians would say that what I just said was heresy because I'm admitting to the inner feeling that I have, but I override it not by my own willpower. I override it by saying, Holy Spirit, you literally got to take the wheel because I don't know how to love with that happening to me. It's like that, 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 that thing that happens when you see on the news sometimes where this um, mother forgives the murderer of her child. And you say, how in the world did that happen? And when you hear the story, every single one of them attests the ability to love that murderer to God. They have tapped into the supernatural ability of God to forgive. And guess what? That doesn't just apply to the murderer. That applies to the marriage. And we just need to now be honest and say, I need that. Not just in me, because there's no good in me. I need it or him up on me. Because we got to stop trying to walk in love in our own ability. That's what many believers are doing. They're walking in love and with willpower and knowledge. But it's not good enough just to know love. You have to understand how does love operate. Love operates with the Holy Spirit being upon you as well as in you. And he produces the fruit of love, which is the fruit of the Spirit, out of you. But then he tells you how to operate in it. Who to serve it to and how to serve it and when to serve it. That's all his job. Your job is to be a willing vessel. Well, your job first is to believe and then to be a willing vessel, also known as to obey. So when you see obey, 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 what he's talking about is obey the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Obey the word, but then the Holy Spirit, this is the sword of the spirit. It's not your sword. It's my body, my sword. No, it's his. <laughs> it doesn't say this is the sword of the spirit. But again, us and our achievement mentality, this is my sword. And I, I, no, it's his. And he knows how to use it best. There's a reason why David didn't take Saul's sword and his armor and all that type of stuff. He's like, that's for you. I don't know how to use your weapon. But he knows how to use his sling. Holy Spirit knows how to use his weapon. And if we would yield ourselves to him, we would then become masters of it. That's why in Hebrews it talks about he will teach you. Why? Because he is God and he knows how to use this thing. So again, I need him upon me as well as in me, if I'm going to be successful in operating in love. If you understand that, say amen. 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 Let's keep going. Y'all get anything out of this? Amen. amen. Okay, so what does love have to do with it? Like we said, love has everything to do with it. But I need you to understand that this is not just a religious thing. It's not about a religion, but it's about a relationship with God. Religion is what's gotten many of us in trouble in the first place. Religion says... You got to figure this out and you got to do it and do better and strive to continue to do better because one day you're going to achieve perfection. And that's just a lie. That's, that's a, a good way to end up in shame, condemnation, and guilt because you'll find out that you can never achieve enough. One, you're going to run up against something at some point in time that you're not going to know how to whoop. And that's because you were never designed to whoop everything. Vengeance is his. He's the one that gets things done. So here I am fighting. That's what sinners got to do. Sinners got to fight like that. Why? Because they don't, they don't have God on the inside of them. 
They don't know him like that. So they got to do all this fighting because even though God's, God loves them and he, he would fight for them, they don't have him, so they're fighting on their own. But a believer has God. And he is their front. He is their back. He literally is their everything. And as they get in him and follow him, they are protected on all sides. Yeah. If you understand that, say amen. amen. So what does love have to do with it? it? It has everything to do with it. The real question is this. Not what does love have to do with it. You should ask yourself the question, what has love done with it? What has love already done? On your behalf, love has forgiven you. Love has cleansed you. Love has washed you. Love has made you whole. Love has even made you righteous. Love has given you away back to him. I'll say those again because I realize I just said them really fast. <laughs> Love has forgiven you. Forgiven what? Read the Bible. Everything. But what if I'm still struggling with something? You're forgiven. Now as you get to know him and his word, you will start understanding better what his standards are, what, is, what does he expect, and all this type of stuff. And then change will happen. Why? You're going to want to change because you want to honor him, who has already forgiven you. And see, the church often is scared to preach that, or many churches are scared to preach that, because they are afraid that you're going to run off and not be faithful with the gift you've been given. It's like this, guys. Imagine getting a check on your job for all the work you're going to do. Think about that. Imagine being at that job, you're going to be there, let's say, 30 years. And imagine them giving you a check at one time for all the work that you're going to do. You haven't done nothing. But they're so good, they say, here's your payment now. You're forgiven now for everything. Now, people are scared to look at it that way because they say, no, nah, people are going to run off with the check and never come and do the work. <laughs> That's how the world thinks. But notice what we said. That's how the world thinks. Yeah. Children of God don't think that way. People who have God on the inside of them, they don't think that way. But we hide this truth of grace to them that grace has literally given you all, not of your own works. Ephesians 2.89, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift from God. He gave you it all at once. Lest any man should boast, which means lest we earn it and then say, look what I got. Yeah. And that's not how it works. He said, literally, I'm giving you this whole thing now. You have gotten freedom. You've gotten truth. You've got healing. You've got prosperity. You've got it all right now, not because you're good, not because you earn it, but because I'm good and I love you. You are no longer under the Old Testament or the Old Covenant which said you earned this goodness. You are now under a new covenant that does away with the old one. The scripture says it literally makes it obsolete. Jesus' blood has satisfied the old covenant. And now because of his death and now resurrection, you now have access to everything he had access to. That's where it talks about us being joint heirs. And so you have access to this goodness. You have access to that big check, not because of how good you are, but because of what your big brother did because of what your champion did. That's why we say thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's why we say praise God. That's why we say, Lord, I worship you. That's why we say thank you, uh, uh, you know, because he did that for us, and he now made all that accessible to us. And again, now the choice is, we're, we're holding this, as we were talking about for our example, this check in our hands, now the choice is, what are you going to do? I'm going to serve. I'm going to show up. I'm going to show up, because I don't want to be the one that doesn't show up, yet you've given me all this. I love you too much. I want to honor you. But he loves us so much, he still even gives us a choice. And that's what people struggle with. They're just like, no, no. You, you, if you don't show up, you're going to hell. That's not what the word says. He, he's going to keep knocking at that door of your heart and saying, hey, why don't you go ahead and show up? Hey, it's going to be good for you if you show up. Hey, it's going to be health for you if you show up. Hey, it's going to be more for you if you show up. And it's up to us. It's like show up and become love. Show up and, and just get more. You thought that check was it. That's not it. Salvation is not it. It's just the beginning. 
And, that, and that's what people, again, people freak out when I say stuff like this. Is your salvation's not in them. Oh, my God. Jesus died on that cross, and that was huge. We wouldn't be here without that. But I tell people all the time, he got up. He died on the cross, he went to the tomb, and then he got up. And there's an entire New Testament after the fact that says there's some living to do. There's some loving to do. But the devil is excited if we just stay right at the cross. He's even more excited if we just stay at the tomb. And he's just like, yeah, just, yeah y'all just keep barely getting in. Keep thinking that you're, you're, you're falling in and out of goodness with God. You're falling in and out of grace with him. You're falling in and out of salvation with him. He's like, please, just stay there in that revolving door because the last thing I want you to do is to realize his blood won the victory once and for all. That it is truly finished. That you can earn no more of God than what you have right now. And you have all of him. He does not want us to realize that, y'all. He does not want us to realize that love lives big on the inside of us. Because the moment you realize, wait, I got everything I need. The attention now comes off of you. And guess what? It goes directed out to those who don't have him. Because the last thing I want to be is keep trying to work for a check I got. And the last thing I want to do, if, I, if I'm really got love on the inside of me, is to look at my cousins, my brothers, my sisters, my mother, my coworkers. My neighbors. The last thing I want to do is have all this goodness and not tell others about their check. Girl, do you know they're giving away lifetime checks? Who wouldn't go tell somebody that? Because I can't have your check, so I might as well tell you about it. I can't. I don't even need your check. Why? Because I got mine. So I got mine. So unless I'm selfish, and if you are that person, then we got a question: Is he really in you? Where are you getting this from? Read John, 1 John 1, 2, and 3. That's, this is all of what it talks about. It says you've got a question. If, if you're not obeying God and walking in love and, and, and sharing him with others, we gotta, we got to wonder if you're really saved. Because you're acting selfish because you've got everything you need, but you're not expressing his love to others. You're not telling nobody else about it. That's why outreach is so important for a church and for an individual believer as well. But that's what you're doing. You're going out and saying, listen, not just getting what I got, get what's yours from him. Everything you need is available. But what if I still cuss a little bit? Everything you need is available. But what if I deal with homosexuality? Everything you need is available. But what if I kill somebody and I just got out of jail? Everything you need is available. I don't know if I believe that. I don't want, I don't want. That's why we're glad you ain't God. <laughs> Everything you need is available. Those three things I just said are conditions. Mm -hmm. And either his love is unconditional or it's not. Yeah. We don't get to pick. We don't get to choose. He never graded sin. Well, this is a little one. And that, we did the white lie stuff. We did mm -hmm. it. That, that's not in the word. He said it's all forgiven. Well, actually, I don't know if I believe that. Well, you got to explain to me how a thief on a cross, somebody who was tried and found guilty and was literally being punished corporately, Jesus turned to him simply because he acknowledged who Jesus was and believed who Jesus was, and he said, yeah. you're going to be with me. Yeah. That guy got access to heaven not having gone to church, not having paid one cent of tithe, not having done right at all. The only thing he did was believe. So tell me how that guy got in with no good works. I'll wait. So don't tell me that somebody's behavior is going to keep them away from God. No, God is like, if you just believe, believe me and I'll do the rest. Go, let's, let's look at that real quick. Because some people might be watching online like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, go to Romans 12. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Our time is almost done. We need, we need a whole nother day. <laughs> Romans 12, 1 and 2. Uh, let's look at this in the Amplified again. It says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg of you, in view of all the mercies of God, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all your members and faculties, as a living sacrifice, 
holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, your rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Now, many people have read that, and like I said, the people who believe, you know, you got to be perfect, da, 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 they take that, and that's it. But you're taking that scripture out of context. Yes, we should present these physical bodies as sacrifices to God for him to use to do what he needs to do through love. We absolutely should. That's, that's what that says. But you've got to read the next verse to understand the context of that scripture. We say all the time, if you take the text out of context, you're left with a comma. Trying to manipulate people to what you believe. Let's look at verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Okay. This age, fashion, after and adapted to its external superficial customs. Well, if I shouldn't be conformed to the world, what should I be? Be transformed or changed, not by your doing, but by the renewal of the way you think. You want to change what you do, you got to change how you think. But wait a minute. How do I change how I think? Well, I'm glad you asked. So that you may prove... What, uh, what, what is for yourself, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight from you. Now, when you look at this scripture in the, I think it's the ERV. Go to the easy to read version, guys. Y'all got that back there? Uh, which ones you got? NIV, New King James, New Living Translation. Let's try the NLT. And it says, by the re entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitudes. So this thing happens when you, uh, like it says right there, by changing the way I what? Think. Think. But this translation explains this a little better. Look at the line right above it. Don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let who? God. Who? God. I thought I had to do this. No. I don't know how to change my mind. No. I got to let him change my mind. What do I got to do? B read his word, believe it, and literally the Holy Spirit will illuminate this word to me so that I start changing the way I think and seeing things I didn't see before. Yeah. Understanding stuff I didn't understand before. Yeah. I can't change without him. People can change, but they need God to do it. Yeah. Once I change, I won't copy the behavior. God has to transform my thinking, then my doing will change. So again, to take verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2 and just say, you need to live right. We tell people that and they try and they fail. Because we don't tell them the rest of the formula. How do I live right? By knowing God. By getting in his word and allowing love to transform you from the inside out. And the more you get to know him, the more you get to understand what he's done for you, the more you get to understand how he wants you to live, and you meditate on that and spend time with that, then you will start seeing, as it says in Joshua 1.8, you'll start seeing yourself doing it because he's showing you the picture. I can only do what I see. We said that earlier. And as I start seeing myself living right, talking right, acting right, then guess what? I can now do it because he will show you that in your heart. It is a supernatural thing to truly change. It is. And it requires God. People have been trying to get people to stop sinning, doing this, that, and the other, and with all these methods, and it's very simple. Get them to God. But people, you know, but but the world has become a little nervous. I mean, the enemy has become a little nervous in the world, so they've made the church look like a bunch of idiots and a bunch of crackpots and a bunch of fools because that's the last place you want to go. Why? Because that's the place with the answers. But we've kind of bookended it by being so judgmental and so so deep and so this, that, and the other. So you got the judgmental church, and then you got the lying world, and so the people are in the middle like, how do I get help? And so they go try to find it somewhere else. And then they spend a life of searching, really, for him. And I'm saying it's time that we stop that crap. It's, it's time that we be loved. What's love got to do with it? Everything. So that we can draw in these folks who need him so that they can transform. But we got to transform first. <laughs> we got to start changing the way we think by allowing God to transform us. And as we allow him to transform us, 
We would be individually transformed. We'll transform in our relationships and in our marriage. Our households will transform. Our kids will be transformed. And all of a sudden, you have the body of Christ able to be the body of Christ. And then for those who are lost, it'll be a no-brainer to say, please show me what must I do to be like you, to be saved. So I say, what's love got to do with it? Everything. Everything. And as this happens, then we can learn to know God's will. I don't have to know God's will on my own. How do I know God's will? I don't know. I got to learn from him. It's his will. Which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, God is love. So again, I got to love love. I got to learn. So it's not, I'm not breaking rules. If God is love, God equals love. So I'm not breaking rules by saying to learn and know love's will for me. All of a sudden, that gives me a little glimpse into what I should be doing. I should be loving. It's love's will. So I can't, I can't go flip somebody off tomorrow. It's not, now, now, my, now my actions are trying to change because as I get revelation of the word, my thinking changes. Oh, this is love's will. So if I'm doing anything that's unlovely, I am automatically, without even getting deep, I'm not doing his will. I'm not doing good. I'm not doing pleasing pleasing stuff. And guess what? There's my perfection. My perfection is in doing his will. Mm-hmm. And as I mature and as I grow, I get better at it. Yeah. But if I make a mistake, that's what grace is there for. Amen. Can I show you all the scripture? Sure. Okay, first John, first John 2. Because it's like I just hear in the spirit, you know, uh, the enemy putting out these little things. Uh, but what if this? What is that? Let me show you. Because somebody says, okay, I got you. We can learn and we can grow. But what happens if we actually uh, make a mistake with this thing and, and, and mess up? That's what the grace of God is so amazing about and for. It says, um, let's look at this and the NIV. It says, my dear children, verse 1, I write this to you so that you will not sin. So people say, aha! (laughs) See, you're not supposed to sin. No, you're not supposed to sin. But let's keep reading. Uh, You got the NIV? Yes. Yes. The life appeared. Whose life? Whose life? Yeah, the life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Oh, no, yeah, that's, y'all, y'all, that's the wrong one. Two, one, yeah. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, then wait a minute, I just thought he told us not to. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. It's just like he did with the Old Testament. Now, y'all do all these laws. If you break one, you broke all of them. Don't you break one of these laws. But because I'm love, because I'm gracious, if you do, take this blood of the bull and goats every year and sacrifice. That was the instructions he gave, right? It's not that he doesn't want us not to sin. He knows us. He knows we're in a process. He knows we're working on it. So he gives us a way of escape still if it happens. I'm not making that up. He made the system. But this time he made it even better. He said, you don't have to wait a whole year. I'm going to give you my son's blood, who is perfect. And you have now forgiveness of your sins. You have advocacy. You have a way out. You have a way of escape that is now going to take care of you forever. Those people might freaks the religious Christians. No, I got to go to him every single time. Christ is not getting on the cross for you every time you sin. That's why he said it's finished. I'm done. It's finished. Once and for all. It's done. Not once a year. Once and for all. His blood was good enough forever. So he says, don't sin. But if you do, remember what Christ did. That's what communion is all about, by the way. That's why I say just do and remember of me. If things aren't going right, if you see it, if, if stuff is trying to break down or break up in your body, remember what I did. 
you're forgiven, you're healed, you're whole. Not because you took the communion. The power is not just in the bread and the juice. The power is in reminding yourself of what he did and getting faith back in the blood and in the body. And that's what he's saying here. You have an advocate with the righteous one. You have an advocate. He's not going nowhere. He's not getting off the job. You're forgiven. So again, this is just another testament for us to back up and slow down and relax. And don't get the focus back on you. That's a trap to get back into selfishness, into self-performance, into unbelief. I don't believe what you're saying, Archie, which is the root of sin. And now, if you're living over in that, trying to be a good person, but you're living over in that, it's impossible for you to be in love. And that is the trick of the enemy that he's been playing since the beginning of time. Get you to focus on you, making you think you don't have what you already got so that you will not walk with the Father. You will not obey him because you simply don't trust what Jesus did. That's why Jesus is kind of the center of this whole thing. He saved us, y'all. It's time for us to believe it. It's time for us to receive it. It's time for us to get up, <laughs> brush ourselves off, and get to love it. Yeah. This world is waiting for us. Yeah. And there's a lot of good people, a lot of good organizations that don't even know God in the natural, in the sense we're talking about, that are trying their best to save this world. But they fall short because they don't know him. Believe it or not, we're all God's children, whether you're saved or not. He created us all. And all of us have this innate thing in us to want to help others. And I hate the fact that sometimes the world is doing it better than us and we got him in us. It's time to flip that, y'all. So again, last time, what does love have to do with it? Everything. It has everything to do with it. Did y'all get anything out of that tonight? Yes. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, you said what was the what? The last thing is what? Oh. Uh, love has forgiven you, cl cleansed you, washed you, made you whole, uh, made you righteous, and given you a way back to him. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Father, we just thank you again for this word that we heard on tonight. I thank you that it takes deep root into us as we're learning and understanding who you are and how to love. We thank you that this is not about performance, but it is about obedience to you only because we want to honor you. You've done it all, and we receive the gift of salvation. We receive grace, and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'll tell you what. We appreciate you guys coming out on tonight. Um, if you want to sow today into the ministry, uh, again, this is the thing I love about the truth of God's word. Um, if you don't put a dime in a bucket, God still loves you. He does. A lot of people take Malachi, uh, I think it's 3, 9, and 10, uh, and it talks about if you don't tithe, then you're cursed. But they don't realize that was written under the old covenant, but it was also written to Jewish folks. Now, unless you're Jewish, it doesn't apply to you, but even if you are, it's the old covenant, even if you are Jewish. There's a new covenant that doesn't apply anymore. However, if you go 430 years before the covenant was written, Abraham tithed before it was a law. But he tithed, it says, to honor God. So tithing is good. Tithing is of God. It's the motivation behind it you have to be careful of. So if you tithe today, fantastic. That's awesome. You're doing what Abraham did. But if you give an offering, that's fine too. The widow who gave him the two mites, nowhere did it say that was her tithe. She gave those two copper uh, coins, and Jesus looked at what she gave and said she gave more than the people who gave much. So that fixes our quantity issue. He placed value on her attitude of, Lord, I'm going to give you the best I got. I don't know about you, but I want to give an offering of much. Uh, sorry, of more instead of of much. So whatever it is he has you sow, and, and here we give by text, whatever it is the Holy Spirit puts in your heart to do, do it. If he don't tell you to do it, don't do it. <laughs> like, oh, how can you say that? Because I want you to get to know the voice of God. I want you to mature in your giving 
because you trust God, not because you're scared that if you don't give, you're going to be cursed. Curses are done in your life. I said curses are done in your life because of what the blood of Jesus has done. Now, I do believe in seed, time, and harvest. You, you know, you don't put seed in the ground trusting God. Don't expect to, you know, get this big old thing. But if you do what he says to do, everything that you need will be right there for you. So there's, there's a balance and an understanding in this thing. And again, we're done with guilty giving and all that type of stuff. He wants you to sow because of what God is telling you to do. So do what God is telling you to do. Trust this, that it, this is definitely good ground. Uh, we, we're getting the word out and doing what God has called us to do in the city of Houston, which is get this message and this gospel of grace out. There's too many people who don't understand the Bible correctly because somebody won't sit down and walk through line upon line scripture and teach it. And that's our mission. That's what we're here to do. Uh, and, and as a um, satellite church from, from a Dr. Dollar and Pastor Taffy uh, out of Atlanta, we continue in that same vision, that same anointing, that same call to sit down and teach the word of God so people can understand it. And that's what your giving goes into. Amen? Amen. So I trust that you've done what you needed to do. Just take that offering. Uh, and even if you're not giving, just, just, just raise your hands at this fine. Join us with this prayer. Father, we thank and praise you right now for the seeds that we're sowing. And we thank you, Lord, that it will go to further the gospel of grace in your kingdom. This is a seed of love. This is a gift of love, your expression to people to aid and help them to know you. And we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes out of their lives as a result of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, if you're in this room right now and you don't know Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we want to make sure that we give you a chance to know him. Or maybe you say, I am saved, but that whole Holy Spirit thing up on me, the baptism of the Holy Spirit... I, I haven't experienced that. And I want to make sure I have all that God offers. Uh, if that's you, we're going to pray for you in a moment. But last but not least, if you're looking for a good church home, this is World Changers Church Houston South, which is uh, uh, our church in the south from the World Changers Church uh, Houston that's up on the north side. We're all one body, one church in many locations. And if you're looking for a good church home where you're going to hear the word and grow in the word and then get a chance to go and share what you, God has given you to others, then you found the right place. So I've asked for three things, salvation, baptism of the Holy Spirit, or to join the church. If anybody would say yes on any one of those things, we want to uh, ask you to come down right here to the front, and we'll pray with and for you on today. Uh, let's all stand to our feet for a moment. Just ask those who are nearest to you if they need prayer for any one of those things. If they would say yes, then help them come down to the front. If everybody's all good, then we'll go ahead and get ready to close up. Amen. Looks like we're all good in the house. So let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. Let me pray over you as we prepare to be dismissed. Father, I just thank and praise you right now for these, your precious sheep. We thank you for the word that we heard on today. Father, may it continue just to roll over and over and over in our minds as we study more of this and how to love you and what love has to do with every area of our lives. Father, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, honor, and praise for the victory that comes out of now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before you, Almighty God. To him be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and forever. As we leave this place, we leave full of your love and we leave in your grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We love you guys so much. You are dismissed. Amen.